namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Atapumbir dvijashrestha Varnashram vibhagashaha Svanustitashya dharmashya Samsidhir haritoshanam Atapram Pumbid Vijashrasta Varnashram Vibhagasha Swanustistasya Dharmasya Samsidhir Haritoshanam Atapumbidvajasvesta Varnashrama Vibhagasha Swanurstishtasya Dharmasya Samsidhir Haritoshanam Atapumbir Vijashrasta Varnashrama Vibhagashaha Svanushtitasya Dharmasya Samsitir Haritoshanam Ata So Pumbi By the human being Vijashrasta O best among the twice born. Varnashram, the institution of four castes and, and four orders of life. Vibhagasha, by the division of Svanustitasya, of one's own prescribed duties. Dharmasya, occupational. Samsidhi, the highest perfection. Hari, the personality of Godhead. Doshanam, pleasing. 
Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. O best among the twice-born, it is therefore concluded that the highest perfection one can achieve by discharging the duties prescribed for one's own occupation, according to caste divisions and orders of life, is to please the personality of Godhead. Human society all over the world is divided into four castes and four orders of life. The four castes are the intelligent caste, the martial class caste, the productive caste, and the laborer caste. These castes are classified in terms of one's work and qualification, and not by birth. Then again, there are four orders of life, namely the student life, the householder's life, the retired, and the devotional life. In the best interest of human society, there must be such divisions of life. Otherwise, no social institution can grow in a healthy state. And in each and every one of the above-mentioned divisions of life, The aim must be to please the supreme authority of the personality of Godhead. This institutional function of human society is known as the system of Varnashram Dharma, which is quite natural for the civilized life. The Varnashram institution is constructed to enable one to realize the absolute truth. It is not for artificial domination of one division over another. When the aim of life, that is, realization of the absolute truth, is missed by too much attachment for indriya priti, or sense gratification, as already discussed here and before. The institution of Varnashram is utilized by selfish men to pose an artificial predominance over the weaker section. In the Kali Yuga, or in the Age of Quarrel, this artificial predominance is already current, but the saner section of the people know it well that the divisions of caste and orders of life are meant for smooth social intercourse, and high-thinking self-realization, and not for any other purpose. Here in the statement of Bhagavatam is that the highest aim of life, or the highest perfection of the institution of Varnashandam, is to cooperate jointly for the satisfaction of the Supreme Lord. This is also confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita 4.13. Om Jnana Tivrandasya Jana Jana Shalakaya Chakshur Mutam Jena Tasmai Shri I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya Manovisam Stapitam Jenabutsale Swayam Rupapkadamayam Tadati Swapadantikam. When will Sri Rupa Goswami Prabhupada, who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? I offer my respectable obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone. And they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gaurabhaktivrinda I offer my respectable obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Sri Advaita, Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Vastakur, and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So today we'll discuss what is Varnashram Dharma and how it applies today in our present circumstances. So we've all, we've read about in this purport the 
um, institution of Varnashram Dharma. <clears throat> and it's the root of the caste system that we currently hear about in India, but it's actually prevalent everywhere, even here in America. It's the class system. And I'll um, go into a little bit more detail about that once I explain what it is. So we have four um, divisions of society. And we have the Brahmanas, which who are the intellectual class. Um, people in the Brahmin occupation tend to be ac- academics, teachers, educators, writers, scientists, thought leaders, priests, ministers, doctors. Anything that uses a lot of intelligence, um, studying, learning, teaching, that kind of profession. Kshatriyas um, is also known as the administrative class or the ruling class. Um, these are the protectors, the warriors, the leaders, police, administrators. Vaishyas are the merchant class. These are business people, farmers, merchants. And then sudras is, are the laborer class. So these are people like the artisans, workers, laborers. So in Purport, in Prabhupada's purport, he mentions Bhagavad Gita 4.13, so I just want to read that so we understand what he's talking about. According to the three modes of material nature and the work associated with them, the four divisions of human society are created by me. And although I am the creator of this system, you should know that I am yet not yet the non-doer being unchangeable. So we talk about the three modes of material nature, and they're associated with each class, the Brahmin class, the intellectual class, is associated with the mode of goodness. And the Kshatriya class is associated with the mode of passion. Vaishyas are a combination of passion and ignorance, and Shudras in the mode of ignorance. The key to understand here is that one class is not more superior than another class. All um, divisions and fun- orders of society are necessary for society to function. Prabhupada mentions that in order to have a healthy, functioning society, we need to have all of these orders of society. It's kind of the example I've heard is if you look at, you know, your body or the body, the human body. The Brahmin class is the equivalent of the head. The Kshatriya class is the equivalent of the arms. The Vaishyas are the torso, the body itself, and the Shudras are the legs. So you can see we need all parts of our body to function normally. I mean, there are some exceptions, but on the whole, you know, we need our legs to move us. We need our arms to do things for us. The head tells the body what to do, and, you know, the body sends the signals. And the main, if you look at the way the body is shaped, all of the mass of the body is in the center. You know, that's where the vaishyas are. So that's how society is set up. Um, I remember a while back, uh, there was a movie that came out. I think it was called Day After Tomorrow. I don't know if anybody's here see, has seen it. But the premise of this movie is the world was going to end. There was, like, polar ice caps were melting, floods, you know, all these storms. And so the world leaders had come together and built a um, ship, an ark, right? And what they did is they invited, you know, the world leaders, the top scientists, the top minds to come onto the ship. They had limited amount of space for people to come. And that was the conclusion of the movie. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous because you're going to, like, this is all that's left of society is the people that are on the ship. 
And they are there to rebuild society once the storms and everything pass. But yet there's no one to actually build. You've got like people that are planning and leading, but who's going to actually go out and do the work of building? They didn't think about that. And I was thinking, well, you can't just have, you know, the the hands and the the, the the head, you have to have the body and the legs as well to have a functioning society. So if we read on in Bhagavad Gita, uh, if we're talking about the qualities associated with each class, in Bhagavad Gita 1841-44, it depicts that a little bit more in detail. It says, Brahmanas, Kshatriyas, and Vaishyas, Vaishyas and Sudras are distinguished by their qualities of work. O chastiser of the enemy, in accordance with the modes of nature. Peacefulness, self-control, austerity, purity, tolerance, honesty, wisdom, knowledge, and religiousness. These are the qualities by which the brahmanas work. Heroism, power, determination, resourcefulness, courage in battle, generosity, and leadership are the qualities of, of work for the kshatriyas. Farming, cattle raising, and business are the qualities of work for the Vaishyas. And for the Shudras, there is labor and service to others. So the key here with these qualities that we want to look at is, you know, Prabhupada makes this point in the purport that we are, you know, we pick up our dharma, our occupation based on, not by birth, but by qualifications. And these are the qualifications, are these qualities what are one's tendencies, and what do you identify with, right? Um, <clears throat> in 1845, he concludes, concludes, by following his qualities of work, every man can become perfect. Now please hear from me how this can be done. So it reiterates following one's own dharma, right? Being true to one's own self and doing your duty. <clears throat> so... You know, we see this time and time again that Prabhupada says it's not by birth, it's by qualification. And I've also seen, I've also read Prabhupada has stated that in this day and age, basically we're all shudras. We talked about previously in a previous class the modes of material nature. And we see that if we look at, I mean, I know if I look at myself, I have some qualities of Brahmin qualities, I have some, um, you know, Kshatriya qualities that he's describing here in the verses. If some of the Shudra qualities as well, you know, in that mode of ignorance. So <clears throat> I think that's pretty typical of most of us here. We're kind of mixed. We're not pure mode of goodness, pure mode of passion, or pure mode of ignorance. We have a little bit of each, and we're always kind of in balance about that. Um, another example, also personal to me, is my dad. My dad, well... Traditionally, I guess by caste, I'm, I was born in a family of Vaishyas, as is my dad, right? And that means we're business people, a merchant class. And when my dad came here to America, I mean, he studied to be an engineer, which is more of an intellectual thing. But, you know, the way it is, it's you take a job. Um, and he tried his hand at, bus- at a couple of businesses, and we didn't, he didn't do so well. I mean, he didn't succeed at all. And really, when you look at the qualities of my dad, my dad had a lot of the Brahmin qualities. I mean, he was very disciplined. He woke up, like, every single morning I can remember. I actually don't ever remember him not waking up early, earlier, you know, than 
he always woke up around four in the morning, and he did his morning um, prayers, his morning puja every morning, and he wouldn't eat until he got them done. So you know, he showered every morning, he did his puja every morning, and that's the memory. Like that's the strongest memory I have of my dad. He did that all the way until the very end when he was battling cancer. So, you know, even then he still kept up with chanting his rounds um, and doing that. So, you know, actually one of my earliest, this is kind of a tangent, but one of my earliest memories is with, you know, like one of my fondest memories, I should say, is on the weekends I would, you know, run into my dad's altar room with him and sit on his lap while he did his puja and, like, learn. And I remember thinking wow, I want to be as disciplined as him and have this kind of morning routine every morning. I'm still struggling with that. But the point there I'm making is that, you know, my dad had a lot of Brahmin qualities, and yet we were born in a family of Vaishyas. On the other hand, my dad sponsored his brothers to come here to America as well, and he helped kind of set them up. But yet they, like, really became successful in, in business, and they're pretty much millionaires now. My dad, we never lacked anything. You know, we had just enough for everything that we needed to do or we wanted to do. I never felt like I was, you know, deprived of anything. But we didn't have, my dad wasn't a millionaire by any means. He only had as much as he needed. And he sacrificed a lot. I mean, he rarely bought new clothes. He always sacrificed so that we could have new things. And again, that's more of a Brahmin tendency to have just to use just what you need and not take any more than that. And yet in Indian society, they, we don't, they don't really consider the qualifications, whereas Prabhupada is saying, no, we need to look at these qualifications. The other thing about the current state of, you know, basically we're all shudras, is that it's stated that only Shudras can accept money for work. Brahmins are not supposed to accept any money for their services. They are, you know, sustained by donations and alms, and um, they're just maintained by the Kshatriya class. And the Kshatriya class earn their money by, um, this is the ruling class, so they earn their money by taxing the Vaishyas. The Vaishyas are the economic backbone, so they're going to make the most amount of money and they're not supposed to really work for somebody else. They're, you know, they're, they're the bosses. They're going to be the ones that are running the business. So they, they don't really have a boss, per se. Whereas the Shudras are the only ones that will have a boss. So we can see in that society, like, most of the people will be in that, in the Vaishya class, right? So we'll, they'll be the economic backbone. For a healthy functioning society, you have really healthy businessmen that are very, um, they're, they have really great business acumen. So we just talked at length a little bit about, uh, I kind of explained a lot about the Varnashram Dharma and the four divisions of life. Um, I'll speak a little bit about the four orders of life here in a minute, but I just want to point out that Prabhupada then concludes that this is really not the main thing we need to focus on. The main importance is to actually make sure that we're doing everything that we do for Krishna and that he's the center of everything. So if all of society is working for this common goal of pleasing and serving Krishna, serving God, um, then you're going to have a well-functioning society because everybody has the same mission and everybody has the same goal, regardless if they're doing it from 
an intellectual capacity or a laborer capacity. Everybody's working for the same common goal. And, of course, this is kind of a utopian society, and we don't see that now. What we see now is what Prabhupada says, the predominance of one society of another over another. So, you know, everybody wants to feel a little superior, so everybody tries to lord it over. Well, you know, the laborer class is not as good, or it's lower class. And it's really not so much that it's lower class, it's just a different skill set, but all is, is needed. And when we start to look at society like that, we see that every division is absolutely necessary. So one can't really be more important than the other. Um, one can, you know, they have different roles. So the leaders and, you know, Brahmins traditionally are advisors to the leaders. They're the ones that are making sure that society runs, so you need them. But then you also need a society that needs to be run, right? You can't, they can't just lead each other. They have to have people that, and and if you have no leaders, then it's kind of like people that are not qualified are going to come, have to take up the leadership position because somebody has to step up and say, this is what we're doing, this is the common goal, and kind of help everybody to go get on the same page. So um, and it's kind of what we see now, right? Some of our leaders are not really qualified Brahmins or Kshatriyas. They don't have these qualities that we discussed um, Peacefulness, self-control, tolerance, honesty, um, heroism, courage in battle, generosity, right? And yet they're in the leadership positions. So you can see if you don't have proper leaders, society is not going to function properly, and that's kind of what we're seeing. Whether or not we say we have class system in America or not, you can see we have these different occupations. And that's kind of natural because... We all have our own tendencies of what we want to do and how we want to do it. So really the most important thing, as Prabhupada says today, in each and every one of the above-mentioned divisions of life, the aim must be to please the supreme authority of the personality of Godhead. And the part that says the aim must be to please the supreme authority of personality of Godhead is italics. Right? So Prabhupada's really stressing this, that this is the aim of life. This is the aim of society. This is what we want to focus on. And so if whatever occupation or station we are in life, we must always think of Krishna and serve him. In 1845, remember at the last time we read 1844, he says, now please hear from me how this can be done. By worship of the Lord who is the source of all beings, who is all-pervading, man can, in the performance of his own duty, attain perfection. This is kind of like what I've heard um, said time and again, and I love the quote, you know, be who you are, but be that for Krishna. You know, don't change, don't be some artificial version of yourself, don't be some version that you think that, you know, you should be, but be the person that you are, right? And um, And sometimes it takes a little bit of work and engaging ourselves to figure out who we are, what it is that we want to do. Because at the end of the day, we do have to sustain ourselves. We do have to live in this material life, right? And even if we have Brahmin qualities, we still have to go out and work for money in some ways because we have to sustain ourselves. So, you know, even Bhagavad Gita 3.33, it says, even a man of knowledge acts according to his own nature for everyone follows his nature, what can repression accomplish? 
So it's not that we repress our nature, we follow it. And in order to figure out what it is, you know, we have to have, we have to spend some time, right, to figure out what our qualifications are, what our skills are, what it is that we're, is our dharma, what it is that we really will succeed in. So some of the things that I've um, read about that can help engage with that eternal dharma that we have, the most important thing is japa, right? Chanting our rounds, med- mantra meditation every single day with attention. When we do it with attention and we focus on the holy names, we can really clear out the clutter and open our minds. And if we, you know, the prayers, I've heard it said sometimes when we want to focus on something when we're praying, we're chanting the Maha Mantra, we can focus on, you know, please engage me in your service or even how can I, you know, be of service. And when you focus like that, then your service starts to become more clear and what it is that you want to do. You know, when you look at these lists of, you know, the qualities of a Brahmin, Vaishya, Shudra, um, Kshatriya, you have to look at what of these qualities really speaks to you, like what's important to you for you to develop within yourself. I know for me, my qualities that I find are that are so important that I focus on are compassion, integrity, um, relationships, you know, making sure I have strong relationships, um, leading by example, educating, um, both education in general, both, you know, learning and teaching. And those are some of the qualities or values that I hold very dear and really try to, like, um, engage in that every single day. So for you, you know, what are your unique skills? What are your talents? What values do you have? Um, We all have skills and we all have talents. We all have that one or two things that, like, we can do really well, right? We may not be the best compared to others, but compared to all the other things, actions that we have, it's the best that we, like, that's the best that we can do, right? And we all have that skill. It might be one skill or two skills that um, doesn't take much effort. It comes really easily to us, right? And we can just do it. Sometimes we can develop some skills that take a little bit more effort, um, and then we can really succeed at it as well. So sometimes that can be part of what um, our skills are, what our dharma is. So when you look at that, you really want to see, you know, reflect that combined with your values is what you're doing is the occupation you're engaged in tuning into your dharma, what your duty is. And, you know, in a lot of cases it may not be because we have to work and sustain ourselves, you know, sustain our families. So a lot of times we're, you know, it's just the paycheck. And if that's the case, that's fine because you're still, you know, providing for your family and it's still really important Right, that's also a really important um, uh, function or duty of any person is to be able to support themselves as well as others, especially in the householder, which we'll talk about in a, se- in a second. So, you know, if you have a family and your family is Krishna conscious and you're supporting them, you're still doing service for Krishna. You know, if you come and you donate money or you donate time. Um, that can also help support your service of Krishna. You know, just working can help support that. The other thing, you know, if you're really on something that 
you don't like to do and you're just doing it for the money and sometimes it's hard to do that because it's hard to just work for money. You have to have some fulfillment, right? Um, I kind of had that my in my personal life as well. I was working at a job where, you know, I'm a doctor, so I was actually, you know, I was being a doctor, but it wasn't in line in the mood of how I wanted to practice medicine, right? My heart is in teaching people how to be healthy, engaging them in living a healthy lifestyle every single day. And yet the job I was at, that was not important at all. The important thing was to make sure they're getting the medicines that they need and, you know, making sure that they're getting other things that really has nothing to do with their health and well-being. It's just more of a stopgap measure. And it just, you know, I was making really good money, but it wasn't fulfilling me in any way. So in order to find a little bit of joy, I was giving, um, once a month, I would give partner up with some um, friends of mine, and we would do a seminar on healthy living. And that, you know, like I can tell you, I would be so tired. And every, like every month when that day came around, that Saturday came around, I always thought about canceling because I was so tired and like mentally exhausted from the week and everything that I'd been through. And somehow or another, I would get myself there. And once I would start speaking and talking about these steps that we can take to be healthy and to live well and focus on our well-being, I would get so energized, right? And I would be able to, like, last a couple of weeks just from that energy of being able to tap into what I know is my dharma of, of teaching people, right? And so, you know, we can all find things like that. If you're not doing it in your job, your money-making job, maybe spending some time on the weekends in something that you find is engaging. It could be your side gig. You can may or may not make money with it. And if you do make money, maybe you start to grow it, and eventually in a few years you're able to expand it, and it sustains you, and you can quit your job. Um, and the other thing I've seen a lot is when we're not working in our dharma, we are more prone to getting sick. There is a, is a you know, there's a lot of evidence-based um studies out there that shows there's a big connection between stress and um, our health. Our immune system doesn't work as well when we're stressed out. And we, we get really easily stressed out if we're not working towards our purpose or what our dharma is, our duty. So just uh, really quickly, I wanted to go over the four um, stages of life that we've talked about. The um, And that's the other part of the Varnashram Dharma. So that's the student life, the householder life, the retired life, and the devotional life. And in every class, you'll find these stages, right? Like either, even in Shudra class, you have the apprenticeship, and then people then start to, you know, work and sustain themselves. And then, you know, they may retire. So we see that in every class of society. And these are, it's a proper progression of life, right? Student, householder, retired, and then um, renounced, or the sannyasi life. But I've also read, again, in, unless one, in Bhagavad Gita 5.6, it says, unless one is engaged in the devotional service of the Lord, mere renunciation of activities cannot make one happy. The sages, purified by works of devotion, achieve the supreme without, without delay. And he goes, Krishna goes on to say in 5.10, one who performs his duty without attachment, surrendering the results unto the supreme God, is not affected by sinful action. 
as the lotus leaf is untouched by water. So the important thing here is that in any stage of life, it's, it's to always engage in Krishna's service, right? Always maintain our Krishna consciousness. And everything that we do is for him. So we do our duty, but we're not really you know, stressed out about, oh my God, is this going to happen? And I did this, and I'm gonna, am I going to achieve this? It's we've done our part, and the results will come how they come. And often I find, you know, sometimes there's a delay in that. So in, in terms of me, like a lot of times when I um, do consultations with people and I teach them about being healthy, right, the result that I would love for them to have is they change their life around and they start to, you know, live healthy and meditate and um, really focus in on their health. But they, I don't have control over what they do. I've done my part. I've taught them. And now I just leave the results to, you know, Krishna, God. And then we can see that with everything, right? Like in book distribution, all we can do is go and present the books, right? It's up to the person whether or not they take it. And even if they take it, it's up to them if they're going to read it or not. So, um, you know, you want to just make sure that you're doing your part. And in any stage of life, that's how it is, right? We want to do it with renunciation, without attachment to the results. And in purport um, of Bhagavad Gita 1866, Prabhupada states, so I'll end with this um, quote, one may perform a particular occupational duty according to his position in the social order. But if by executing his duty one does not come to the point of Krishna consciousness, all his activities are in vain. So it doesn't matter what division of society, right? Um, Shudra or Brahmana, doesn't matter, you know, householder or um, renunciate. If you're not doing it for Krishna, it's all in vain. And you know, once again, it's we can do anything that we do. You know, if you're a musician, you can do that for Krishna. If you're an artist, you can do that for Krishna. If you're a doctor, you can do that for Krishna. If you're a carpenter, right? So any um, profession or career or job that we have, we can do it for Krishna. And that's really the conclusion of today's um, verse. What questions do you have? Thank you. Um, he's just thanking me for today's class. Did you have a question? <laughs> Thank you. All right, then we'll uh, break here. Darantara Srimad Bhagavatam ki.